0: Hello, hello my dear audience. Hello my known and yet unknown friends. I'm Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's toolbox. First as usual, I start with a little show and tell. I found on the Facebook this gory picture. A snake wrapped around a handsaw. You know, one of those handsaws that you would use to saw off a piece of wood. Uh, and it's a real picture. Quite bloody and unpleasant. Somebody probably came across the scene and photographed it. And under the picture, they wrote. There was a snake that crawled, crawled uh, over the sharp saw. And it was cut. In anger, the snake rubbed the saw with its thick body and proceeded to squeeze the life out of the soul. With each angry squeeze, it felt more pain, but continued because it wasn't going to let the soul get away with the pain it caused. The snake refused to let go of the soul, eventually died, not knowing that the whole time he needed to let go of the initial pain and focus on its future and where it was going. Instead the snake lost its life and didn't even see it coming. And then the moral of the story, control your anger, forgive those who hurt you, and don't give people or things power over you. I think it's very powerful because I know so, so many people are committed to staying angry, saying, I have the right to feel angry, because they were hurt. And who is praying the price for this self-righteous indignation? People are who they are. It doesn't mean that you have to embrace what they did or praise it or even uh, comply with what they do But it's the judgment of how could they do this that keeps your anger going. Uh, I wrote about it. You can read my article, Judgment, because anger is is a consequence of judgment, uh, of your interpretation of what's happening. Uh, You can read it on my website, drpeterresnik.com, and you go on the articles. And I found yet another interesting to me posting an educator wrote that in his administrative duties he had taken an action that fiercely angered one of his associates and turned him against him and a wise teacher replied bring into your heart a deep love for this man and his anger will disappear spontaneously it's an interesting concept. Uh, I uh, I find it, for example, difficult to to get in touch with love for every person. Um, so it's easier for me to do something else, and I have been more successful. But if you can, that's that's a great idea to, uh, if not to um, to connect with love, but to connect with the best of that person. If you feel somebody feels animosity toward you, rather than responding in the like, see if you can connect or think of something that that person is doing that is good. And think it over and over again. And I have seen this being very successful by doing, I offered people, <clears throat> and excuse me, and I myself did this exercise, where I would close my eyes and think of a person in question. Some somebody I think is resentful of me, or for some reason I have some re, some uh, cause uh, to think negatively about that person, and I would focus on my heart it's an exercise you can even try now if you have someone in mind someone who may feel resentful toward you or you feel resentful toward that person and think or imagine as you close your eyes a beam of white light coming out of your chest and as it extends beyond your body a foot or a foot and a half see the light curving to the right making a full circle around your whole body. And now think or imagine that person outside of the circle. Now breathe out one time and see the circle of white light expanding in all directions, till it encases, in circles, the person in question. Then see yourself looking at this person and this person smiling at you, and you're smiling at this person, then open your eyes. I've done it many times. And I taught it to even uh, some teenagers who would have some conflict with their parents. And inevitably, once they do the exercise, there is a shift in the relationship. Remember, energy is trans spatial and transpersonal. So Once you connect first with your positive energy, it doesn't matter how far this person is, you can affect their energy. You can merge with them and call it, uh, superimpose your energy, your positive uh, image with the image they have on you. Anyway, uh, this, this is an exercise the only way you will know whether or not it has any merit is if you try. So try it with, with, in a simple situation. Let's say if you if you are in the line to pay and the cashier is too slow uh, or not, not pleasant with other people. So do this and then see what happens. Okay? And let me know. Send me an email. Uh, yes, by the way, one may say, what about a person who... Who I see every day, and I'm resentful because of they did something. It doesn't matter. If if you're a relative, you meet this relative uh, on holidays, do this exercise and you will see. Okay, if if let's say the person who is not nice, um, uh, let's say your boss and continuously not nice. Uh, and then there is there is another exercise actually to do and that is just to remember that people who are not that nice people who are uh, In fact Not good to other people most of the time. They are not happy people. They are not happy campers They are not open to the goodness of life So it's like they are blind so next time you see that person uh, think just before you are to meet this person think here comes a person who is blind you will see if this person is truly if you feel this person is blind you will actually have compassion to this person for this person uh, because this person is truly blind is not able to see the goodness in other people so he's blind or she is blind but yet they have also something good about them, you have to think also what is good, what, what is good about this person and you mean, know that they're good to their grandmother, or their good parent and so on. There is always something good about everyone. Here is another show and tell. Well, actually, I have to say, I have many shows and tells today. Uh, that they, they take a lot of time from the show. And yet I think they're very important. I feel that it is my responsibility to share with you something of importance if it comes uh, my way, to my attention within a day or two of the show. Because nothing, nothing in the meaningful universe happens by a chance. This morning I was listening to Tucker Carlson You probably know that after Tucker was kicked out of Fox, he started his own Tucker Carlson network. He does interviews with very interesting people. Uh, But he has also other kinds of shows, altogether eight different formats. Uh, It's interviews, it's short films. It's definitely the most interesting and courageous reporting, I know, in my opinion. So, I was watching this interview with the uh, Surgeon General of Florida, Dr. Joseph uh, Ladapo, who said that he was recommending to all doctors in Florida to stop giving uh, COVID, COVID vaccines because the vaccines are changing our RNA. Finally, the whole thing is becoming beginning to unravel. I'm sure he is only the first one, the one who has the courage. Many will follow. Also, there is a new book available titled That's another show and tell, titled Invisible Treason in America, written by the by Lieutenant General of the United States Air Force, Thomas. I cannot pronounce his name, Massinari, and Major General Paul Valle. It's a book about how President Obama and Biden, Joe Biden, sold one valuable technology to China, which allowed. Actually, let me not let, not. let me not tell you the details. I ordered the book. Buy the book. It's only seven bucks. It's written not by an investigative journalist. It's written by two generals who spent their lifetimes serving this nation. And of course, when they voiced their concerns, they were quickly retired. Dr. Peter Bregan has has an interview with Lieutenant General on the America Out Loud news. Watch it. Let others watch it. Read the book. People must know. Remember, I quoted Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Live not by lie. Knowing the truth and not sharing it with others is participating in the lie. By the way, if you have comments or questions, um, as I'm talking, you can call 888-874-4888. Also, if you have trouble listening to us um, because of the internet problems, you can listen to live by phone number, and it is 641-793-7091. And again, if you cannot or don't feel like calling, you can send me an email. I welcome your emails, peter18resnik at gmail.com. Uh, now, a little bit about the marches, the protests, and now the South African accusation in the international court, the accusation of Israel committing genocide. Uh, genocide, this word, was created by the Jewish-Polish lawyer, Raphael Limkin, in 1944. The word genocide consists of two words, the Greek word genos, meaning race or tribe, and Latin word cede, or sidio meaning killing. Limkin documented his research of Nazi occupation policies in Europe and recorded the case of study of the occupation of Poland. Limkin asserted that Nazi atrocities against Poles consisted of five policies which exposed their intent to destroy the Polish nation. This included one, mass killing of Poles, two, inflicting serious body and mental harm to members of the group, three, planned deterioration of living conditions, calculated to bring about their destruction, four, implementation of various measures uh, intended to prevent birth within the group, and five, forced transfer of Polish children to German families. Each of these five markers, according to Limkin, revealed the Nazi plan to eliminate the Polish identity with certainty. These five criteria were adapted by the nineteen forty-eight Genocide Convention. And uh, that these five criteria are are criteria that uh, reveal genocidal intent. Our homegrown Ocasio Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and her friend and associate Rashiba Talib, members of the United States Congress as well as numerous groups in the United States and universities and the demonstrators on the streets of many of the United States cities are indeed calling for the genocide of Israeli citizens. That is completely annihilating the people, wiping the whole nation out from the river Jordan to Mediterranean Sea. Finally, uh, even some liberal voices are beginning to understand of what's going on, such as Bill Mayer. He's as liberal as they come. But now he wrote, All wars end with negotiation. But it's hard to negotiate when the other bargaining position is you all die and disappear. One person I was speaking to the other day, asked me, why do so many people go against Israel? Why why so many? So many people cannot be wrong. Well, the majority of Germans supported Hitler. Were they right or wrong? I will remind you of the words of the great Russian writer, Leo Tolstoy, wrong does not cease to be wrong. Because the majority shares in it. Even better, uh, and more beautifully, the same idea was expressed by our own uh, homegrown Black American educator, author, and orator, Booker T. Washington. He wrote A lie does not become truth, wrong does not become right, and evil does not become good just because it's accepted by a majority. It seems that this critical race theory and the equity, diversity, and inclusion, all these Marxist ideas, and the vast majority of Israel haters are also supporters of the same causes, of the same, of critical race theory. It's not by a chance that right after the horrific butchery of Israeli citizens by Hamas on October 7th, Uh, Black Lives Matter immediately supported and praised that event. The critical race theory is also adopted by major institutions around this country. It's destroying our country, weakening our military, stirring up racial tensions. There is something going on here. These two, the new order of imposing new sex education on our children, taking over the care of the children from parents and taking it, giving it to the state, getting rid of the judeo Christian values, which are the foundation of this nation, and unconditional support of those who chant death to Israel, death to America. Remember, those who chanted call israel a small satan and america is the big satan that includes iran of course put all these things together ladies and gentlemen and think am i paranoid or something feels fishy here all the liberal ideas the critical race theory and total 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 animosity toward the country that absolutely like any other country has right to protect itself. By the way, those of you who were with me two weeks ago, may remember that I shared my intention, it just came to me to resign from uh, being a clinical director of the uh, newly formed nonprofit organization called the roses. Uh, raising opportunities through science, education, and service. This organization, it's kind of a beautiful idea, is raising money to provide free mental health assistance to young people ages 18 through 30, who need it but cannot afford it. My responsibility, because I'm the only mental health professional on the board of directors, would be hiring qualified psychologists and social workers who would provide therapy So the founder and the director of the organization wrote up the principles that the roses would follow. Among them is one stating that we adhere to ethical principles of whatever it was, I don't remember how it was worded. So I was assured. And I told I told the um, director uh, Jaya, director and founder, that I cannot I cannot be part of the organization. Because the principles, uh, ethical principles now of the American Psychological Association, Psychiatric Association, and Social Work Association, comply with the with all this diversity, uh, whatever equity and inclusion. And I was assured, I was assured by the director and I make it public now. (laughs) that the only criteria by which i will be hiring people is their competence nothing else okay now uh, i received emails uh, another email by the way from my friend ricardo from california it shows that he really listens So he what he wrote last show you were speaking about the terrorist group in Israel, you said that these members are not human. Can you further explain this are such beings under a form of possession by external non human entities, Ricardo? If I remember correctly, I did not say that these people are not human, even though cutting out a fetus from mother's womb and putting it in the oven, torturing children in front of the parents and torturing parents in front of the children is something diabolical. And yet human beings are capable of it. We don't need to go to other entities and possession. Our history is full of cruelty. Greek historian Herodotus wrote about customs of the Sinians, Cynthia's, I I probably mispronounced it, Cynthia's were members of nomadic people, originally from Iranian uh, stock, known from as early as ninth century, before common era. They would take the skin of the heads of their enemies, sew the skins together and wear them proudly as hats. And the Chinese emperor, I remember reading this years and years ago, the Chinese emperor Hongwu in the second millennium practiced flaying. He flayed many servants, officials, and rebels. You ask, what's flaying? Flaying is a, a method of slow and painful execution in which the skin is removed from the body human beings are able to degenerate to such a level. In early 70s, Dr. Zimbardo conducted the famous Stanford Prison Experiment. I think maybe a couple of years ago, I was telling you about this experiment in which the students were divided into guards and prisoners and they were permitted to to pretty much act as they wished. Very quickly, the guards were willing to commit acts of cruelty. It's young American kids, students. Other experiments demonstrate that when a person, uh, when exposed to extreme violence on the screen, participants at first are revolted by the scenes. But if the exposure continued, they would get comfortable watching violence. And after a while, would become sexually aroused by the images, which first, at first was revolted them. Musav Hassan Youssef, you maybe know the name, known as the son of Hamas, the son of one of the founders of Hamas, Sheikh Hassan Youssef, after leaving the world, the world of Hamas and converting to Christianity, told his story of growing up in the Hamas environment of cruelty and torture for minimal offenses, severe punishment of children as young as five. He, even though he was the son of the leader, was also abused and tortured. And what is the source of this cruelty? It's always ideology, whether it's in ancient China or Middle East. The understanding that in order to be merciless with the enemies one must endure a lot of pain what is the source quran and its ideology this is the source it is not what the propaganda says it is a religion of peace absolutely not anyone can buy quran i own quran the quran contains At least 109 verses that call Muslims, that is peace-loving, all nice people who, if they read the Quran, they read. It calls Muslims to war with non-believers for the sake of Islamic rule. Some are quite graphic with commands to chop off heads and fingers and kill infidels wherever they may be hiding. Unlike nearly all of the Old Testament verses of violence, which are time and place bound, like destroying the people who were involved in human sacrifice. Unlike those, the verses in Quran of violence are open ended, meaning that they are not restrained by the historical context. They are part of eternal, unchanging word of Allah and just as relevant uh, today as they were relevant 1400 years ago. Give you an example. I have here Quran, chapter five, Surah 33. The punishment of those who wage war against Allah and his messenger and, and strive to make mischief in the land is the only this, that they should be murdered or crucified, or their hands and their feet should be cut off on opposite sides. Chapter 8, Surah 12. I will cast terror into the hearts of those who disbelieve. Therefore, strike off their hands and strike off every fingertip on them. So my answer to my friend Ricardo we do not need to look for demonic possession as we see the cruelty that hum, some human beings can exhibit the cruelty is simply part of their education it what it's what is encouraged by the society around them so alexandro Garcia cortez and rashiba talid the proud democratically elected congresswomen welcomed the atrocity committed by Hamas and the participating civilians, by the way, it was not only Hamas. They welcomed all before Israel started its retaliation campaign. What do you think these members of the United States Congress would teach and encourage their children to do? What would they do to you if you disagree with them? It was Ocasio, uh, Alessandra Ocasio-Cortez, I believe, who said when Joe Biden so-called won that fake election, she said that it was necessary necessary to investigate who voted for Trump. You remember? Right after. And what? Send them to re-education camps like in China? Mm Ladies and gentlemen, we're so, so close to become a Nazi Germany or another Soviet Union. And it can happen, can happen in the blink of an eye. Uh, that's what I've been observing. I've been observing for in the last six, seven years, the downtrend that is happening in America. It's sad for me to say this. As a therapist, I never point out anything in the character of my client, or the circumstance of their lives, unless I have something better, more positive to suggest. So what can I suggest now, uh, when we are in no win situation, uh, with, with Israel, for example, Israel would love to have neighbors with whom they could trade. That's how everybody prospers. And many Arab countries understood this. That's why uh, Abraham Accord happened. Everybody benefits with trade. Uh, Not Iran. Iran is one country that wants to destroy Israel. That does not all this that happened on October 7th was orchestrated by Iran because they could not allow the peace process in the Middle East to continue. I I received this email and I have a little clip I would like to uh, I hope it will work now. I would like to play for you. And it's, um, it's something that Douglas Murray said. He is the Um, British author and uh, a journalist. I want you to hear this.
1: Israel is the only country in the world never allowed to win a war. That's why, by the way, you have the situation in the Gaza, you have all the international idiots telling the Israelis, they have to withdraw. And then what happens? You give the Palestinians a statelet and they they give you Hamas and war. Uh, Anyone who thinks the West Bank is going to be a Palestinian state is now living with the fairies. And it's not because of the Israelis. It's because the Palestinian Authority hasn't wished to create a state for decades. It never did. It's only ever been interested in creating a state from the river to the sea, as they always say. It's never been interested in a two-state solution. Palestinian Authority under two leaders now has repeatedly turned down every Israeli offer uh, of, of peace who offered 99% of what they wanted just 15 years ago, they turned it down again, as yes Arafat did at Oslo. They don't want a two state solution. They want a one state solution. And that's a Jewish cleared Palestinian state. Israel is the only country in the world.
0: So um, this guy is not Jewish it's just I believe he is a realist. So the question is, is there any hope? Yeah, there is hope. We have to hope. Uh, and the hope is that, you know, there are people, not all what they call Palestinians want, or they don't necessarily don't do they don't have to love Israelis, but they understand that coexistence is the only way for them to survive. Uh, so there are people who are interested in coexistence, And hopefully there will be leaders uh, among Palestinians who are interested truly in uh, having autonomy without trying to destroy Israel. Israel cannot permit Hamas with its charter uh, stating that Israel has to be destroyed. But if there will be indeed someone to negotiate with and hopefully, they will have uh, maybe some Arab countries uh, sending their troops uh, for at least in the beginning to to be like a buffer and to oversee the peaceful transition of people of Gaza to from from dictatorship to some kind of self governship That is not war oriented. And then there is hope. But meanwhile, we are where we are. Uh, I just realized I still did not completely answer my friend Ricardo's question about people who are possessed. Uh, It's not possession. You know, right now, uh, we read, uh, not we. during this show, we are moving slowly only when we reached 22nd chapter of Genesis where we're talking about Abraham, but um, Jewish people reading the Torah every week, Uh, we just read a portion of the Torah in Exodus already. And there is a there is a situation there, where Moses comes and it's a very famous um, story. He says to the Pharaoh, "Let my people go," and of course, Pharaoh is not complying. And there were ten plagues. You heard about the ten, the ten plagues, and there is a phrase there. Only starting from the sixth plague, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and so and Pharaoh refused. The first five plagues. Each time um, Moses said, let let my people go, it's not written God hardened uh, Pharaoh's heart, but it's written that Pharaoh's heart was hard, which means he, on his own accord, through his own freedom of choice, refused to, to let these people go. And then we read from the sixth plague, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart, and the seventh, and then, and so on, and we know the, the results. But the reason I'm bringing it to your attention, Ricardo, is because that's what happens with evil. Um, yeah, I see, we will we'll respond to a call in a minute. Uh, Daryl from the Bronx is calling, I will be with you in a second. That's what happens with evil. In the beginning, uh, we have freedom to choose how we'll act. We have freedom to resist the evil impulse in us. But after a while, we don't have freedom. The evil takes over. And then there is no way. The same thing with drugs. In the beginning, you have a choice. You give in once, you give in two times, five times, and then boom, you have no choice. You have no freedom you gave up your freedom. That's what happened with Pharaoh. That's what happened with people of Hamas. And that's what did not happen with the, What they called the son of Hamas? This guy who walked away converted to Christianity, because he did not live want to live with evil. Not too many people have such courage. Now we have Daryl from the Bronx. Um, welcome Daryl you on the air. Thank
2: you for taking my call, Dr. Resnick, um, Daryl from the Bronx. Yeah, are you, um, Daryl,
0: already called a few months ago? Yes. Ah, oh, okay. Hi. Nice to hear from you, Daryl.
2: Uh, hi, Pat. I wish I was at Points. And uh, thank you for for remembering me. I truly appreciate it.
0: You, do you have a um, Do you have a comment? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I... Uh,
2: what i'm interested in is a where could i find an independent source to find out what exactly happened on october it's it's october 7th that's the key date here is that correct yes yes okay i need that first of all that's one question of all second of all i i'd like to truly understand what would motivate in 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 both instances, what would motivate the behavior that's talked about, considering the history as I've heard it, as compared to the what I'm I'm seventy four and when I learned originally about the establishment of the State of Israel
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then the the the, the continuing uh Hmm. the continuing, I don't want to call them wars, the continuing dispute over land rights, um, it's changed quite radically. And then, as a, as a topper, I'm a person of African descent. Mm-hmm. And I'd like you to explain to me what you understand critical race theory is as compared to... What uh Derek Bell uh uh-huh. presented as critical race theory back in the '70s and and how it, how it, it it affects all people <laughs>
0: Daryl you're great (laughs) You raised a few questions. It will need another hour for me to to answer them But before you before I forget I want to make a comment Daryl Man, you say you're 74 you sound like a like a a 45 year old man Really, I
2: still make a lot of mistakes doc. So that's a cover Uh, A person of my age should have a many more experiences and be a lot more knowledge, so that I can inspire people yeah. to do what I want to do, which is to be a person of peace. And in order to do that, a I need to understand everything that has happened already, without the uh, without the cloud or the uh, filter of my own personal challenges in life. And what I find is that most people, if they've encountered challenges, which we all have, they, they view the current experience through that lens rather than what I find more profitable is to, I am here right now. I have this set of skills. I am presented with this challenge. What is the best way to handle the challenge so that everybody profits?
0: Uh, Ah, You see the key word, so that everybody profits. Now, the moment you say that everybody profits, you are closing the door to war. You are saying, I want to benefit, but I want you to benefit. The war usually starts when somebody says I don't care about you, I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. So, already, you are in conflict with those uh, people who who are waging war all the time. But let me attempt to answer some, some of the questions. Um, I I, I don't think that I'm able actually to answer them all. Uh, But first, you brought up uh, um, this issue where you can find independent information, I'm afraid that you will not get independent information, meaning independent source, because all sources will be partial. Uh, Why, if I refer you to the source, um, for example, from uh, Israeli consulate. My sister receives, um, receives information from them firsthand, immediately, whatever happens in Israel, she receives and all people who are Israeli citizens and I'm not Israeli citizen. My, my sister holds uh, dual citizenship, Israeli and American. So they receive information of what's happening. If I send it to you, you will say, well, the, but of course that's how Israelis view it. It's it's their their side. Right? If we connect with the sources that rely on on information provided by Hamas, uh, it will be totally different story. It's a that's the uh, problem with receiving information. So my attempts to get more or less impartial information is I, I listen to BBC. I listen to CNN. I listen to Fox News. I listen. I watch Russian news. I watch Ukrainian news, and then I'm trying to make up my mind. The only thing that is probably helping me, and and uh, many people don't have the experience with, is that I I visited Israel seventeen times. I know how they lived before this October seventh. I've visited places where, um, where terrorists blew themselves up and killed tens or hundreds of people. I know what Israelis have been living from 1948. So I would say, Daryl, I would refer you to to different sources. Because you say you you are uh, an African American. I would refer to you to to a person um, like Thomas Sowell. I, I think his <laughs> guy is a genius. First of all, he's almost 100 years old now. And he's agile, clear minded. He's an economist. He's, you know, he's in the Israeli, oh, excuse me, Israeli, Stanford University. So he is an economist, but he wrote a number of books on uh, as social commentaries. He talks about critical race theory and gives you... So you probably will will trust him more on this subject. Also... I tend to doubt it. I've, I've experienced Mr. Thomas, so I won't call him Mr.
2: because I've done some history on honorifics, but I got a better sense now of what I'm hearing than I did before, just to give you some information because... Uh, Thomas Sowell is the Clarence Thomas of economics.
0: Mm-hmm. And what does it mean? Would you would you explain? Surely, Thomas, Thomas Sowell,
2: at my understanding of his work, and I haven't done an extensive search, I mean, I haven't done an extensive study of Thomas Sowell's work, but his work is very similar to, he, he would be in the Milton Friedman School Perhaps a little bit. I have yet to see any of the economists coming out of the Reagan era who would be called capitalists. That uh, if we, if the, the policies that they suggested were followed, or considering the amount of time, once again, Thomas Sowell and Daryl McPherson have been on the planet would benefit the communities that they come from to the extent that there would ever be any acceptance as getting people of color as American citizens. See, for instance, I have yet to experience the quote unquote American experience as an American, even though I've been in the military and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've yet to experience a fair election. I've yet to experience being able to walk down the street without being concerned, more concerned about the people who are supposed to protect me as compared to the people who want to do harm to me for either economic, mostly, I think it's all psychological reasons. Once again, coming out of the experience.
0: Daryl, I, you know, I have to say, you know more than I do about uh, uh, Thomas Thomas Sowell's uh, work on economy, uh, economics. I just mentioned that he is an economist. I don't know mm-hmm. his work. on. I, I am familiar with his work uh, as a social activist. So that's why I brought him up. And he talks about critical race theory. And he, I, again, I, I'm sorry to hear uh, about your experience. Uh, uh, of living kind of in fear for your life. Uh, I hope it's not happening now. It could possibly be true uh, 30, 40 years ago, unless you tell me, Peter, this is my experience today. And if it is, it's like, my I would experience be... today. It is. What? Where yes. do you In and, the Bronx? Yes. I live in oh. the Northeast Bronx, so
2: it, that's different than. When people say, "Oh, you live in the Bronx?" Yeah, I've always lived in relatively, quote unquote, safe neighborhoods. Depending on, uh, well, well, for instance, when I lived in the pro at that time, at that time they called them Edgemore houses, Northeast Bronx. That would be very close to Mount Vernon. Uh, In this instance, I'm currently staying in Co-op City, which is relatively close to Pelham. Uh, As a matter of fact, if you drive up 95, you'll go past it. it. It's the largest uh,
0: cooperative in the world. Yeah, Daryl, let me ask you. Let me ask you. I'm so happy now that we're talking about it. Let me ask you then. Did you notice or you did not any changes in the last? Because you, thank God, you, you, you lived... Uh, you know, as an adult, more than half a century, uh, or like, uh, or as in uh, sixty years, as an adult, if you're seventy-four, so did you notice po- any positive changes in terms of racial relationships in America from sixty years ago? Are there positive changes? I apologize.
2: Would you the last <laughs> sentence?
0: I'm sorry, the the sounds got scrambled. I did not understand your reply. I ask your forgiveness. Um, Would you repeat your last sentence? Yes. Did you notice uh, changes in racial relations in the last 60 years? Let's say look at the year 1970 versus 2000 versus 2020. Continually. As... As is proven, people is the... were accepted into,
2: I'm going to call it whiteness, their need to or their willingness to adopt the characteristics of whiteness um, became evident, and many people who I grew up with moved away from uh, let's say a more tolerant or a more—I'm um, trying to think of, of the words that I'm looking for—and and right now my my brain is is reacting. Um, whereas I had I had more allies as a as a child growing up in the fifties and sixties in a pretty mixed situation in advantage child's high school. Then when I came back from the military um, and people had hardened their positions primarily along um, economic lines. And, uh, and so in that context, I understood why they did what they did, because if I could get out of a situation in which I was, um, I was considered a a negative uh, according to the society and moved on to, excuse me, and uh, moved into a a more advantaged position. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes a lot to stay and see the pain of others when you have a chance to escape, phenotype Uh, or not.
0: What what attracted my attention and what you said very much is the word whiteness. Do you see uh, uh, the world as, let's say, of prosperity and success as white, and black as poverty? And black people uh, doing better in life necessarily have to be kind of d- use the, the whiteness or white ways. Is that your perception? How how things work out how my experience successful...
2: is and and you have to take the, the the terms as they're defined by uh by the the culture itself so there are there are people who are caucasian or their phenotype is is uh what is considered white and then there are those and then there are those who once again, from an economic standpoint, uh, the, the best way that perhaps that I can explain it is, is, is the South African model where you're granted status in the culture uh, uh, if your phenotype is other than what the culture expectation is. Yeah, Does I, that make any sense to you? Yeah. In other words, they're you're they're they're so a status more on the, and it's getting, quote unquote, better now because, uh, to some extent, because I'm trying to think of the other gentleman's name uh, because you, you can be white and your phenotype can be black. Mm
0: hmm. Daryl, we're coming to an end of the show and I would love to continue the conversation. Uh, I I hope, you know, if you can call next time, I would gladly talk uh, and prepare a little bit more uh, because you have a number of questions that you raised which are so interesting. But it's it's a very interesting thing that you are saying because I have a a nice, a, a very good friend, Floyd, and he, you know... Uh, he does he sounds different he does it doesn't sound to me we do together uh workshops at gary knoll's retreat and, oh and that's what i'm
2: looking forward
0: to <laughs> we're on the prayer band for that excuse
2: me i didn't hear you i said we're on we're on the there's a phrase in the uh, african-american church prayer band where folks get together and pray for things and so i said we're on the prep then to get a, a chance to afford um, the Gary No Retreat. No, no, no. He which um, he,
0: he talks possibly. very highly of you. Yeah. Uh, um, and my experience of you on the phone has been very positive. Yeah, thank you. Daryl, Daryl. But what I, want, I apologize. I know it's getting late, and I'm rambling. So,
2: prosper, and listen to WBAI every once in a while. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Daryl, Daryl, I just wanted to say, no, neither of us us pays, neither Floyd nor I. In fact, we get paid for it. We do the workshops. We are not attending them. We are the ones who do it. But I never felt, and in my uh, conversations with Floyd, he never, never appeared to me to be a person who is doing the white thing. He's just a great guy. We hang out we we make jokes we're mo- we' if if there is a, a connection between us it's not like oh he moved to my whiteness and therefore we're friends no we're both guys we talk about women we <laughs> we talk about our military experiences we, we you see what I mean I never experienced him as looking at at the world white and black and and he managed to move into the white world but let me let me call Floyd and talk to him a little. And, and I absolutely would love you to call again. And I would like to consider uh, to continue this conversation because it's very interesting. Thank you for bringing all this up. I again, I wrote down the issues because you brought up several issues. Um, and I will attempt uh, next week to to address at least some of them. Again, thank you very much for calling Daryl. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> once again, we came to this chapter 22 uh, in Genesis that we um, got stuck on. We didn't go any further. Maybe because it's, uh, it's about Abraham about to sacrifice his son Isaac. Uh, and of course, he didn't, you know, he sacrificed him. It was a test. And every single day, we all attested. Which way we go, we go toward, move uh, toward faith and openness and relationship with God or listening to other voices. We'll talk about other voices also next time. I hope you join me next Tuesday at two o'clock at PRN. And thank you for uh, tuning in today. Be happy and peace to all who want to live in peace.